you're about to hear a 16-minute, God forbid, a 16-minute spirituality rant. If you're not into that, jump ahead 16 minutes, and uh, we'll get right into the interview. You will bow down before me, Jorel. I swear it. No matter that it takes an eternity, you will bow down before me. Both you, and then one day, your ass. That's General Zod from Superman. He's this kind of SNME, leather clad, goateed douchebag who gets off on the idea of Superman or Superman's family bowing down to him. It's his fetish. He's clearly an incredibly insecure asshole. Uh, but he's obviously a symbol for an aspect of the universe that for whatever reason likes us to bow down to it. There's so many great symbols for this tendency in the universe. Uh, one of the most famous being from Star Wars. There is no escape. Don't make me destroy you. Luke, you do not yet realize your importance. You have only begun to discover your power. Join me and I will complete your training. With our combined strength, we can end this destructive conflict and bring order to the galaxy. I'll never join you! If you only knew the power of the dark side. And then, almost as famous as Star Wars, is this classic from the New Testament. Then the devil took him up and showed him in a second all the kingdoms of the world. I will give you all this power and all this wealth. It has all been handed over to me, and I can give it to anyone I choose. All this will be yours, then, if you worship me. It is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. I will give you everything if you bow before me. <laughs> bow down before me, friends. Bow down. How cool, man. How cool to be called to worship at the feet of some megalomaniac. What a blast. We've got lots of that going on in the world of politics. Varying forms of idols trying to get votes. Varying forms of advertisers trying to get our sweet human attention to worship. Any What is worship? That's the real question. What does worship really mean? Zod, Satan, Darth Vader, all these mythical figures want us to worship them. They want people to bow down before them. But what does worship really mean? And I think it, it what it means is giving your attention to something uh, more than you give it to other things. You could say that's a form of worship. Even spending a little bit of extra time staring at a Budweiser billboard somewhere could in some small way be considered a form of worship. Because what you're offering whenever you pay attention to something is your human attention, which is so incredibly powerful because it 
effortlessly transforms the ocean of quantum soup surrounding you into a recognizable universe of colors, feelings, sounds, smells, and space. You don't have to squeeze the universe into existence. It just appears around you instantaneously thanks to the supreme power of human consciousness and all of those confusing neurons that are transmitting electrical vibrations in a perfectly harmonized way so that it actually summons out of all of this all the spins of neutrinos and atoms bouncing off of each other and photons shooting into your optic nerve it turns that into your house your girlfriend your boyfriend your dog it's an amazing potency human attention is so powerful and that's why everybody wants it that's why Companies spend so much money building billboards, which in their own small way are idols. They're false idols that have been constructed in the attempt to uh, create the existence of a brand, which is really just a kind of corporate entity that is kept alive via the attention transfusions that are given to it anytime human beings gaze upon its symbol. It's whatever it may be, the symbol for Coke, the symbol for... Uh, uh, American Airlines, whatever it may be, we're the guy. We inflate our reality using the force of our attention. It's super potent, and I think this is why uh, these dark forces in mythology always want people to bow down to it. Because without humans paying attention to them, they don't really exist. They fall apart. They become just like a dried up leaf floating through some forest. So. The idea here is to recognize what parts of your own mind are are like General Zod or like Darth Vader, because this is this is what mindfulness is all about. It's watching the thought patterns that consistently emerge in your mind. Now, theoretically, there are a billion thought patterns emerging in your mind all the time. Who knows how many? It's impossible to say. But all the things that you don't recognize, you could say those are in your subconscious. You just don't see them, all the little minute things. But there's inevitably a few things, a few thoughts that keep coming into your mind that you keep thinking about over and over again. And uh, these thoughts, if they're if they're negative, if they're dark, then... Uh, you could say that these these are like false idols. That's your general Zod. You probably have a repeating worry, a recurring fear. Fear of death, fear of being alone, fear of being cheated on, fear of having your heart broken, fear of losing your job, whatever it may be. This is your false idol. And any time you pay undue attention to it, you are like some robed acolyte worshipping a dark, blood-soaked idol in some forbidden grove in your mind. And the more you do that, the more you bow down to General Zod, the more your universe darkens a little bit. The way it works is you could say that the negative thought pattern that you have, whatever it may be, is like a seed. And your attention is water. And the more you focus on this dark seed, the more it spreads roots out into your life. And you habitually begin to notice the shitty things around you instead of the beautiful things around you. That's the end result of worshiping the dark, 
demonic idol of your negative thought patterns is that you start noticing these patterns in the world around you. There's an infinite number of patterns that you can decide to pay attention to in your external universe. So many different things that you could uh, pay attention to. There are lots of great colors. Flowers are doing really good right now. I don't know if you've noticed any of them, but this is a fantastic year for flowers. There's really beautiful clouds going going on uh, every every day. Uh, the sunsets have been pretty kick-ass. Grills are smelling really good right now. And uh, if, you, if you happen to be around a swimming pool, water continues to function as a cooling mechanism. Showers are doing good, and there's lots of other variables. There's lots of other phenomena that are really cool to, to, to pay attention to right now out there for you. But it may be that even though there are all these beautiful things going down, your attention isn't on the external world at all. Your attention keeps going back to this, like a car alarm going off in your brain. And basically this dark idol, the repetitive negative thought pattern that you worship with your human attention is inevitably saying some version of this litany, of this hymn. And the hymn always goes something along the lines of, you're fucked, you're fucked, you're fucked. And you pay attention to that, and you worship it, and you start thinking, I'm fucked. You repeat it. It's like some horrible kirtan, some horrible hymn in an evil church far away in a terrible part of the world. You're fucked. I'm fucked. You're fucked. I'm fucked. That's the mantra of fear. That's the mantra of worshiping a false idol. I'm fucked. I'm fucked. I'm fucked. I'm fucked. I'm fucked. I'm fucked. And not fucked in the good way. Fucked in the sense that your life's going to fall apart. Your life has fallen apart. You're not good enough. You're going to be ruined. You're going to end up lonely. Whatever it may be. So, and this is an idol, then it's time for you to assemble a murti. Now, in Hinduism, there's something called a murti. These are the statues of Ganesh, Vishnu, and the difference between a murti and a, a false idol is that a murti is kind of like a, uh, <clears throat> I guess you could say, there's different ways to look at it. You could say it's the finger pointing in the direction of some transcendent truth that exists in every single moment. So, uh, in it, for example, in every single moment, the the what Krishna represents is in every single moment, just like a fractal. It's in every single moment. And so if you were raised in India and you understand that mythology, then a statue of Krishna is going to remind you that of, of this very beautiful energy that exists in every single atom of this universe that we're in. And so it allows you to turn your eyes away from whatever shitty, horrible version of the universe that you've been focusing on and turn it in the direction of this sweetness. But, you know, a lot of us aren't familiar with that mythology and a lot of us, whatever, you you probably have your own thing. This is the point. You have your own thing that makes you feel good. Whatever it is, it doesn't have to be something as glorious as... Uh, you know, or, or as obvious rather, is like a deity, even though I, you know, I've got a picture of Neem Karoli Baba that I look at when I'm particularly scared or I really feel like shit. He's Ramdas's guru and I, I love him and I love to look at his picture because it reminds me of what an actualized human looks like. It reminds me of the possibility to just love everything, but that's my thing. It doesn't have to be your thing. 
You know, I have I also have weird fetishes. That doesn't mean you have to have my weird fetishes. It's like you get to pick your own thing. That's what's beautiful about it. So the idea is start you don't have to build a puja table if you don't want to go all woo-woo. I have one, and it's great. You sit in front of it, and it's just great. It's unbelievable. You sit in front of it. You burn some incense. You stare at pictures that remind you of love or light, and it just works. I don't know why, and I don't really care why. It just works. It gives you a better day. But you don't have to build that. You can just have it in your mind. In the same way that you've built a dark altar to some repeating negative thought pattern idol, you can build an imaginary altar in your mind and place upon it this idea, embody this idea in some symbol, and you get to pick the symbol, but the idea is you're going to be fine. Whereas the false idols of the world tell you, if you don't worship me, you're fucked. You're fucked. The murtis of the world, they tell you, you're fine. You don't even have to worship me. You're going to be fine. No matter what, you're going to be fine. You live in a perfect universe, and therefore you are perfect. And because you are perfect, you are fine now. You've always be, you'll always be fine. You'll never stop being fine. You are perfect. It sounds crazy, right? Especially if you've been bowing down to some beaked, horned, devil, demon thought pattern that's been telling you for your entire life that you're fucked. The concept that you're going to be fine no matter what. It sounds like blasphemy. It sounds like lunacy. How could I be fine? You have no idea what's going on in my life. I'm telling you, you're going to be fine. You just play around with that idea in whatever way that you want. Okay, let's imagine it's make-believe. Well, you're capable of playing make-believe, right? You did it when you were a kid. So just today... Pretend that you're going to be fine, no matter what's happening, no matter who's freaking out around you, no matter who's demanding that you freak out, no matter what you just found out or what you think you're going to find out or what you feel that you already know about how horrible things are, just imagine you're going to be fine, just for fun, just do it. And if you really want to go nuts with this, make that you're going to be fine idea into a symbol your dog, something you love, something you really care about, whatever it is. Find, are, there, are there gods that you connect to? Are there comic book characters that you connect to? Are there political figures? Whatever it is. Are there like, is there an athlete that you really love? Let that being be the symbol of the concept that you're going to be fine no matter what. And turn that sweet human attention that you've been spraying all over the dark idol of your fear into this concept. Begin to inflate that concept with your attention, and I guarantee that suddenly your external world is going to begin to populate with beautiful things. It might not happen right away, but you're going to start having weird little coincidences, weird synchronicities, or you're just going to start noticing sweet things out there that you weren't formerly noticing. And look, if it doesn't work, just go back to being upset, freaked out, and depressed, if that's what you like. I used to love it. I used to really love being depressed. It was actually quite fun. So you can do that too. I don't mean that in a condescending way either. I really loved it. It was nice. And there was something really cool about it. But ultimately, it just didn't work out for me. It just wasn't, I, I don't know. It just It's just not quite as satisfying as... Uh, playing this incredible game of finding where beauty is hiding behind all the shitty darkness of the modern world. That's just a more fun pastime for me right now. One day, though, if I want to, I'll go right back 
to chomping opiates in Echo Park and listening to Elliot Smith while I drive my Mini Cooper around thinking about lost love. Because that was fun too. But I'm really just not into it right now. So give it a shot. You might like it. See if it works. See what happens if you wrench your attention away from the fear and turn it in the direction of the idea that you're going to be fine. Let me know. I hope it works. All right. Thanks for hanging in there for that one, guys. Uh, We got a great podcast with my dear friend, Danielle Bellelli. We're going to jump right into it. But first, some quick business. This episode of the DTFH is brought to you by the beautiful children of love at squarespace.com. Go to squarespace.com and use offer code DUNCAN to get 10% off your first order. If the human attention span is the most powerful thing in the universe, then your website is like a solar panel for human attention. And if your website sucks, then you are harvesting negative human attention, which no doubt is appearing in your life in the form of killer bees attacking your dog, quicksand pits appearing around your house, micrometeorites piercing your skull and creating minor nerve damage, which is giving you bad dreams. All of these are the results of having a bad website or no website at all. If you have no website, you might as well throw yourself into the closest nether portal and allow your body to be ripped apart by demons. So go to squarespace.com. Every website scales to any device. Every website comes with a free online store, and they've got great 24-7 customer support, which I have tested out. They're also my longest sponsors, so a great way to show support for this podcast is to go try out Squarespace. If it doesn't work for you, go hire some zillionaire reptilian Illuminati website designer who's going to charge you more than money. He in some way will trick you into selling him your soul. You will end up like some smashed bug on the windshield of life, and you will hear this web designer cackling with joy as you gaze upon a semi-good website that you easily could have had constructed through squarespace.com. So go to Squarespace, give it a shot, use offer code DUNCAN, and you will get 10% off of your first order, sign up for a year, and you get a free domain name. Start building a beautiful website today. Harvest the precious human attention with some beautiful website rather than the current old clumpy mildew moldering website that you've had on the internet for years. I feel like I'm talking to myself. I'm actually designing a brand new website through Squarespace and it looks great. Uh, And that'll be up soon. Squarespace.com. Build a beautiful website. An enormous thanks to all of you who continue to use our Amazon portal. Thank you. It's one of the greatest ways to support this podcast. All you got to do is click through the portal, which is in the comments section of any of these episodes, the next time you're going to buy something, and we'll get a very small percentage of anything that you buy, and it costs you nothing. We also have t-shirts located in the shop. We've got the tour t-shirt, if you came to see me perform during the You Are God tour, and we had sold out of shirts, they're now available at the shop, little baby Baphomets, and it says You Are God. They're there for you if you're interested. And finally, thank you to all of you who continue to donate to the podcast. You don't have to do that, 
but thank you for doing it. I am very grateful to you. And for all of you who just listen, thanks just for listening. Thanks for tuning in to my raspy, seemingly lesbian voice. It is a true honor that you have allowed me to have this as my job. I love you guys. All right, let's get going with this podcast. Today's guest is the host of two wonderful podcasts, The Drunken Taoist and most recently, History on Fire. He is a martial artist, an author, and a historian, and an all-around badass. Everybody, please welcome to the Duncan Trussell Family Hour Podcast, the wonderful Daniele Bellelli. come on the show and whenever i realize that it's been enough time yeah that you haven't been here it's so great no i'm uh i cannot think of a single time when i didn't walk out of here very happy and feeling like that was a hell of a conversation i already feel good you always have you haven't see as our lord and savior jesus christ says of course you can judge a tree by its fruit and you always have wonderful fruit orbit you always have an orbit of love around you you've brought your wonderful family this wonderful healer. You actually brought an energy healer to work on my back, which I am a bit of a skeptic when it comes to that stuff. I got to say, right now, I, my back was hurting and it does anymore, which is pretty weird. That's the only thing that counts, right? <laughs> but who knows? We'll see. We'll see. Um, so thank you for coming on the show. Thank you. I mean, again, it's a treat for me, so it works. I love it when it's a win-win situation. What have you been up to? What have I been up to? Let's see. I've been um, History on Fire a bunch, you know, the podcast that takes uh, as much as it's fun and it's going way better than anything I had ever expected. The amount of work is brutal. So it's right. uh, I put my 200 hours worth of research in each episode. So it's a lot of damn It's the research. And, yeah, it's the research. Man, that's... How do you... What do you... Where do you get your info for research? Is it primarily the internet, or do you go actually no, go I'll to go, the library? Uh, I get books. I'll get. I'll. I'll go on the net to figure out what are the reliable sources on the topic. Put together a list. Hit the library. Get them all out. Start reading. Put together an outline of what the general storyline is like for that particular topic in history. And then by the time I read the second, third, fourth, fifth book, whatever that is, I just, I don't repeat every single thing. I'll just start looking for stuff that I didn't find in the first one or that is contradictory or give a different viewpoint. And then the fun is after you have done all the research, which is not fun at all, it's painful. But once you have it all there in front of you, then that's when you start putting it all together. And that's when it sinks. Because, you know, when you read these books, they're not fun to read. They are tedious. They are dry. They are boring. But they have all the seeds that then you're going to use to make this thing grow in a beautiful way. So that's the part of the job I love. Research is done. Now it's all in front of me. And I have to just organize it in a way that clicks. It's interesting Um, how... You're you're sort of becoming like the Neil deGrasse Tyson for <laughs> for history, but it is interesting how there's this uh, there's a the classic historian mm-hmm. which, which is very dry, mm-hmm. very unappealing. It's yeah. the kind of stuff that makes you dread going to history class because Perfect. the stuff is just a series of facts yeah. chained together with no human. 
yep. element to it at all, impossible to connect to. And then there's like his, historian entertainers, mm-hmm. scientist entertainers. That seems to be the most important job. Right. Because in the past, wasn't history primarily transmitted via stories? Yeah, exactly. Well, the two were combined. They were in these two separate fields. Is you need to know your shit, but then you also need to talk to a human being and communicate it in a way that they actually don't want to leave after 30 seconds, you know? Yeah. Whereas now it's two completely different fields. Is the academic history that some tedious nerd who got in the lost li- in the library 40 years ago and never saw the light of the sun again which right. is important because they dig up all the useful info but they can't talk to anybody you know they are and, and so if they try to teach students students don't give a crap they're like this is boring this is tedious this is and so you need somebody to do the translation to take okay here is the raw material now i'm gonna turn it into something that actually appeals to human beings and they can uh, get something out of it do you feel sentimental a little bit when you're doing this, like you're giving a voice to people who have been lost in the depths of time? Yeah, and I have to relate personally to somebody in that story, because otherwise I don't care. And then it's not, you know, why why am I talking about this story if I don't feel it? You know, I need to, for me, it is an emotional thing. I need to feel it. I need to, and feel it doesn't mean that I have to go into hero worship where the main character has to be this guy who is... Uh, with no faults, who's all perfect and wonderful, but I have to be intrigued with the human aspect. Even like, you know, you're right before we started, Duncan just played for me this awesome song about, can we say it? Yeah. Can we announce? He did this awesome song about Genghis Khan that I was dying listening because the lyrics are perfect. You know, Genghis Khan is not the most pleasant human no. being in the history of the world. There are a lot of fucked up things in his life. But at the same time, there's this larger-than-life element that you relate to. Even though you don't relate to as, oh, this is a nice guy, you relate to as there's a, there's a lot to this human being. But when there's... you get to the bottom of... Well, when you, I don't want to say when you get to the bottom of Genghis Khan. Right. It's probably a very disgusting place. But when you get to the... the what he was... <laughs> the bottom, <yeah. laughs> That's like the one place in history yeah. I don't want to go. <laughs> At the bottom of Genghis Khan. I don't want to be there either. Yeah, I think that's too of us. But you, the, the, uh, when you understand what his childhood was uh-huh. like oh, yeah. and all the stuff he went through, yep. all the rejection he went through, the poverty he was yep. existing in, and you witness what he was able to do mm-hmm. in, in, with his human incarnation, yep. it is one of the most inspirational stories I know of. And he has been vilified a little bit in a way that is really not fair. If you, at least the the biography I listened to was pointing out, sure, he was a violent being, but compared to the violence of every other person existing at that time period, he was actually quite peaceful. Right, he was more effective at playing the same violent game that everybody was playing, so you can blame him for being more effective at And he that was game. into multi- multiculturalism. Mm-hmm. He respected all yeah, religions. Yeah, that part, yes. Yep. You know, so there are all these aspects to him that are... He's not yep. just a monster. Right. At the same, And I completely agree, right? But that's the fun of the game. Is on one end, the people who say, oh, this evil barbarian, and you show all this cool stuff, right? right. It's like, oh, then he's this awesome, sweet, wonderful, wise. And you're like, yeah, minus the 20 billion people getting slaughtered along yeah. the way or something. Or you're like, yeah. okay, I see the point of how that's a little troubling. And that's the fun of it. It's constantly keeping 
if you put the emphasis too much one way, oh, let's remember that there's this whole other side. Yes. And when you go too far that route, it's like, yeah, but remember about what we were saying three minutes ago kind of thing. And what a wonderful thing to apply to every other aspect of your life too. Totally. Because whenever you find yourself turning a person or a situation mm -hmm. into one side or the other, you've forgotten the, the complexity of human existence which is that a person is a million different things at once nobody's good or bad right it's complicated as, as facebook would say it's complicated it's complicated right? it's so what are you working on now what, what are you researching now so now i'm uh, i have the next few like right now i'm in the middle of a series about crazy horse which is a badass story oh. if there ever is one um once i'm done with that i'm crazy excited about one that i researched a few months ago uh, caravaggio is this italian painter yes and people think oh an artist that's cool and sweet caravaggio was wanted for murder escaped from jail uh, used regularly got in trouble with the church because he would use hookers as models when painting the virgin mary you know he did all this like his life wow, is just wow, wow. as wild as it gets and at the same time he's like the greatest painter of the renaissance so you have this purely artistic side to him and then he's just hookers and sword fights and taverns and something so he's a quite an interesting character then what do i got coming up uh, i did some um, so you're researching him now. that one i've i've done the research i just wow. need to get to record i'm, I'm trying to keep um, six months ahead of the actual release time because otherwise it takes forever how to... many episodes will you do about caravaggio uh, i'm thinking two but i was thinking two about crazy horse and i'm now down to i have to do so four you're saying 200 hours of research for two hours yeah of... probably maybe oh. three four hours something like that Fuck. yeah it's but the thing is that by the time somebody listens to it they feel like it's smooth it feel like it's easy they right. should feel like you absorb all this stuff and you got all this cool story with a good rhythm where it's like, oh, that was easy. But that's part of the process is making this monstrous amount of research to make sure you have all the cool stories and then you start chipping away, kind of like you have this giant boulder that you have to carve out this tiny sculpture out of. And by chipping away piece by piece by piece, then you can come up with this little sculpture that you go, oh, that's... I dig it. It's smooth. It works. It's nice. But, you know, the process behind it is the the ugly work that nobody has to look at. But You're that's like my an information gig. chef. That's... <laughs> I love that. An information chef. You're also the farmer, too, right? right you're going exactly. out in the fields of, yeah. of data, yeah. gathering them, cooking them up in some kind of podcast kitchen, then serving them up right. so that idiots like me can listen to it, and then after we listen, pretend that we're geniuses. By the time you're eating that wonderful eggplant, you're like, oh, how good it tastes. It's the process of going there and shoveling shit to fertilize the field and slowly grow it and keep the birds away yeah, and all of yeah. that. That's not so romantic. Not but so romantic. Once you get to the finished product, it works. See, that's, that's one of the, to, to me, is the, uh, one of the things I really love about something I I. I I think Jack Cornfield was talking mm -hmm. about whenever you're seeing anything, you're getting this snapshot mm -hmm. of an energetic continuum. Oh, yeah. So when you look at a tree, mm -hmm. you're seeing the present moment part yep. of a flow of bark mm -hmm. and cells moving in through time. Right. And But you see it as a tree, but that's not a tree. It's like what it's a it's a river that started with a seed. It's true. 
Yeah, it's actually probably starting a bird's ass. <laughs> I, love, I was waiting for something like that, yes. Isn't that weird it's to true. think, like, whenever you're looking at any kind of, in a forest or trees yep. or anything, a relatively large percentage of those things were in a bird's ass. Yep. That That's... birds don't just lay eggs for birds, they lay <laughs> eggs for trees. <laughs> no. <laughs> and so this is, uh, to me, is it, it's a really interesting thing that you're doing which is you're going and you're taking these snapshots Mm -hmm. of something that's gone yeah it's gone yeah you're as close as we got to a time traveler that's the that's the gig and i think for me is because when i was growing up as a kid i was fascinated with this stuff and i wanted a cool story and half of the time then i read history and i'm not getting it but i know it's there you know i get that one anecdote that's amazing it's just buried in the middle of 50 pages of crap and then you find another little gold nuggets, you know, and and so the process of putting it together is because I want to consume that finished product. I want to be the one who get that story. But and in the process, I guess, I, since I'm doing it, I might as well do that for everybody else kind of thing. What do you think time but, is? It's well, that's uh, I think I don't remember if I mentioned this to you, but I had the interesting uh, edible experience with um yeah i think you did mention it yeah where, well basically it was not the most fun edible experience ever and i had this um i was um I, after a while i'm like okay this sucks I, i'm like straight like the cop in the remember that story where you hear the cop that calls 911 going yeah. oh, i'm dead yeah, come I'm get dead. me i'm, I'm dead, dead. Yeah. i was like i was laughing in the moment because i felt like i'm one inch away from being that cop right yes. now i'm like this close so i go like Okay, I just need to breathe. I need to relax. I'm just going to do that and I'm going to ride it out and then it's going to be okay. So I meditate for two hours. I breathe. I inhale. I do my thing. I'm like, okay. I start it. I look. It's like 4 p.m. I'm like, okay, two, three hours. It should start coming down. It's going to be okay. So I do that for two hours. I look up at the clock. I'm like, okay, now I should get some relief soon. And the clock tells me that it's four and five seconds. My two hours of meditations were really five seconds wow. in real time. And I was like, okay, I'm fucked. Uh, this wow. is not going to go. So under the file, the relativity of time, sure. that was an interesting lesson right there. But, but history is a, is a thing that is gone. Mm-hmm. There, it's as part of one aspect. Like when we study geology, mm-hmm. there's a historical element to it. But it's the, still there, it's right? It's still there. Yeah. But what you're studying is a is a series of, it's like if human if the human biomass right. is like a body of water or gas or whatever mm-hmm. that encompasses that that in, can, in, envelops the world. Right. You're studying these like weather patterns. You're stu- It's like you're studying clouds that mm-hmm. are the recorded remnants of things mm-hmm. people did but that stuff is is gone yeah. i mean when you think about it there's not probably there's not a single person alive today who was around 130 years ago not a million right. years ago not three it's like 130 years ago yes there's probably nobody alive yes and you're just like so everybody's the product of somebody who was around then and they had all their passions and they're seeing and, yes. that, and they will die 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 next generation yes and then they, it's weird. It definitely is weird. It's kind of like when you look at, uh, when you see somebody you know, and you see them dead, and you see that body, and you're like, 
is something left here? Is like that whole thing that I knew. Yeah. Where did it go? What's going on here? I, yes. It's trippy. It's very it's trippy. It's trippy. Yeah. Because you're because the the whenever you assemble this snapshot. Mm-hmm which is your articulation of the whatever particular moment in history you've decided yep. to focus in on, you are gathering this information from word of mouth yep. and from r- records mm-hmm. that are, can't be completely accurate. Of course. Of so course. What, no matter how great the historian is, there's got to be, it's, it's always going to be out of tune a little bit with what was really happening. Totally. In fact, in many cases, there are stories that are awesome, but there really is no way to back it up to know for sure that it happened. So when I tell it, I'll say, look, this is what we actually know. And it's not much and it's dry. And this is what one source say that it happened based on somebody who maybe was there. So is he real? Is he legend? Nobody knows. Let me tell you the legend because it's cool and, you know, do what you will as far as believe it or not. But that's, and so you play the way where you don't have to toss away anything that's not proven because otherwise you're left with nothing because really historical, there's so little that you know for sure. But you don't necessarily say this is exactly what happened because you don't know that either. And there are, in many cases, the odds are not high that some, like, you know, legends grow out of people. So you get stories that probably are exaggerated if they yes. are based on any truth at all. And this is the difference between the new age of mm-hmm. humanity that we're in, mm-hmm. is now things aren't being recorded with word of mouth or stories. There right. are these, everything is being recorded with video. Yep. So it's a, historians of the future are going to have a much easier job than historians now. We, Right, which is why it's a lot harder for a new prophet starting a new religion to come up today because every little thing you said is right there on YouTube. Right. And so you can't just go like, oh, no, 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 you guys misunderstood. That part where I really fucked up and I say something yeah. stupid, I didn't really say It's like it's right there. And so it's a little harder to play that game. Really can, hard. Yeah. If the it's game all... that you're playing is one of trying to create a perfect... Yep being yep that's not gonna work with youtube it's not gonna work anywhere and this seems to be one of the uh disservices Mm -hmm. of the lack of the video or social networking no uh footprints of people in the past is that it has given people the impression of perfection oh yeah where of course it wasn't you know like take the best character in history that you can think of they fucked up and they were mean to a kid one day and they did some, you know, everybody does. It's just the nature of the business. Now, that does not mean that there is no such thing as that everybody's the same because, you know, yeah, I'm sure Hitler one day let somebody cross the, an old lady cross the street. That doesn't make up for all the crap and vice right. versa. Just because you are a super nice human being and one day you were mean to your neighbor doesn't undo all the nice stuff. Yes. So, of course, it's a balance act, but the reality is that it's never a hundred and zero. You know, it's never a hundred percent pure evil and zero niceness and right. or vice versa. It's somewhere in there. Now, the mix can still be 99 and 1, but it's still a mix. It's never purely and completely this perfectly coherent picture that's completely black and white. And... But this to me is, it's very frustrating mm-hmm. when I run into people who have a bone to pick with this guru or that sure. teacher, or this person, because didn't you hear he was a drunk? Right. Or didn't you hear he was a, yeah. whatever the fucking yeah. thing is that yeah. you did, as though the, you know, the human 
side to him invalidates yep. or her invalidates all the, all the great things that they did or brought into the world and i think that the we you can kind of there is for certain because we on one to me one of the most exciting and hilarious aspects of human beings mm-hmm. i've talked about it on the show before is that we produce we don't just produce doctors and mm-hmm. teachers and kings we produce Prophets mm-hmm. from time to time, these beings emerge right. who have so much charisma and are so connected to the universe that they vomit out some new modality mm-hmm. that people adopt, and it causes huge shifts in the course of history. Definitely, that is so cool. And so, since we know this has happened many times, Buddha, Jesus, yep. Muhammad. Um, Lao Tzu. Mm-hmm. Uh, who am I missing? Um, who's the Baha'i guy? Uh, oh, Baha'u'llah, right? Yeah. Um, anyway, so since we know it's happened, mm-hmm. we know it will happen again. Sure. Only it's going to happen in the age of the internet, right? And that is a fun, fun thing to think about. Who is the new? What right. will the new prophet look like? Who is the Maitreya? That emerges from the digital age. How would you imagine this being to be? But I think, in some way, I love this because you cannot hide behind a traditional, perfect, pure being. Because again, there has really been a no human being that fits that model perfectly. That's right. And you have to embrace. You can't play the game of uh, you know. I'll keep a certain image. I'll present myself as this perfect, amazing being. But really, I'll hide my deep, dark secret away. Because then you end up like. You know, those guys like, uh, homosexuality is evil, and I'll end up doing methamphetamine with a gay hooker Always. kind of thing, right? Which is the classic thing classic. when you hide. So in that sense, you have to completely embrace your own, like, everything about you and just be very open about this is me in all of its forms. Right. This is me in forms that maybe you don't think are the most ideal. This is me in the ones that you like, and they are part of the same thing. You can't really take one away and expect that the rest is going to remain there. So you see the next, That's... if 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 there were, just mm-hmm. for the, f- no. and there will be. Sure. If there is another Tathagata, Buddha, mm-hmm. world changer, who isn't just a political figure, but as a religious element, mm-hmm. it sounds like you think this is going to be a person who is openly imperfect. Yeah, absolutely. And I think people actually like it. Well, not everybody. There are going to be people who want their simple story and they, they will cling to the black and white narrative. But I think there's a growing number of people, because we have become more aware of the fact that the stories that we were told when we were five years old, that we're all very black and white, good guys, bad guys, they are never that simple. You know, we all found out the stuff that the traditional kind of white knights doing the brave deed, then there was always all of those characters, there were some screwed up things. Yes. People have grown jaded to it. So in some sense, if you are upfront about it, people tend to respect you more. Yes. Because immediately when you get a story that's too good to be true, people go like, ah, fuck off. I already don't li- I already feel weird about this right. because there's something that you're not telling me. Whereas if you put it all on the line, okay, then I can I can make a decision for myself whether I like you we or know not. What we're dealing not. With exactly. Here. It's very upfront. And this is to, this is one of the I think the the big 
problems that pol- modern day politicians are facing. Oh yeah, which is they're trying to adhere mm-hmm. to a very primitive notion of what a leader looks like. Yep, they want to pretend to be a historical leader. Yep, where all the flaws have been rubbed out by the by time. Right, and and the and what's and the the way the game is played is the people who haven't yet come to the realization that there has never been a perfect leader right. are always just ready to fucking tear someone's throat out of course. because of the inevitable re- revelation of some dumb thing they did. Right. And I mean, to some degree, I feel it's justified because if you are going to be a hypocrite and try to hide it and present this front that's not really you, you should be taken down a path. I disagree because I think that it, I think really the, it's, it's a dance that, that the observer and the observed are doing with each other. They're both equally culpable. The observer, if you want a perfect person, sure. if you want a perfect boyfriend, sure. if you want a perfect girlfriend, a perfect son, daughter, whatever the mm-hmm. thing is, you are fucked. You're not going to get it. And really what you're doing is you're setting yourself up for a kind of intense disappointment, which a lot of people call heartbreak, which you actually are inflicting upon yourself by your absolute insane idea that there is some perfect being out there, especially a a perfect embodied being. Come on. This is a game you're playing with yourself. You're flogging your back with an unfair. It's like getting anytime you want someone to be perfect, whether it's a politician a lover, a teacher, a friend, whatever the thing is, if you want them to be whatever it is, then it's the same as wanting them to fly or wanting them to walk through walls or something. It's not going to happen. No, that part More likely they walk through walls. (laughs) But what about the other guy, the guy who's going to pretend that they fit some stupid expectation that people have? It's the mirror of the game. So the another so what happens is you create this expert. So you have humans Uh who have a hunger for perfection in other people. Yeah. Not themselves. Sure. Other people. Because right. if, if there are a few people who are good, then there's hope for me. Yeah. But forget about me. I just want you to be good. Right. So, so you have people with this hunger. And then, and then you have other people who have the hunger of wanting people to think that they're great. Mm-hmm. Right? And so then they do this hilarious dance. We're like, okay, I'll pretend right. to be perfect. And you pretend I'm perfect. And by pretending I'm perfect and you'll begin to feel this perfection is happening to you. And then it's this re- re- idiotic dance right. where inevitably one of the, 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 generally the idol is shown to have a crack in it. Of course. And then the idolater shoves the idol over and goes yep. looking for a new idol. But I think, you know, if one guy is uh, ridiculous because they are trying to they are looking for something that doesn't exist and it comes from their insecurity and their fears and all of that crap right but i kind of understand it in the sense that you know you come from a place of weakness and you are looking for your savior yes stupid but i get it yes but the other one who play oh yeah i will play the savior role and i will take all your money and get all your women and do all yes. that that i feel that you are just preying on somebody's weakness and so i tend to be i kind of dig the let's take you down a notch not because because you are not a i think cuz you are preying on weakness and b because you're not being real and i kind of I don't know. I find I tend to look at, at that less sympathetically. I feel sure. that you are profiting in a situation that's screwed up. Profiting. Yeah. Which, There's profit. Right. <laughs> profit. Exactly. Yeah, but I. Some, I mean, again, it's. I. I don't know that people. 
when they are putting on the show. I've gotten in this conversation mm-hmm. before with friends because I used to be, feel the same way. Because right. like it's inevitable you have like the fallen guru, the fallen teacher, the fallen savior. All of them are fallen. Mm-hmm. All of them are inevitably. And then you have the broken-hearted sure. sycophant. Yeah. And it's like, I guess, they're, to me, they both seem equally pathetic in the sense that if you haven't figured out yet sure. that there is no perfect person, mm-hmm. then the greatest lesson a guru can give you is by failing you. Right. And now now you get to be a human again, and, and the guru has taught you, no, your perception is is not perfect. And your desire for there to be a human life raft that you could climb inside of right. and float through the turbulent turbulent universe and and, 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 and never suffer again, that is uh, ridiculous. Luck, so when the raft right. pops and you find yourself floating back in the ocean again, I think you've been given the sweetest gift so it's the (laughs) no i get it it's the whole osho i'll do the spiritual thing with my 50 roll royce and flaunt it like put it in front of everybody well that's an interesting put on the costume right play the game let's play make-believe i'll be the guru you be the disciple i'll disappoint you you'll get upset you'll keep moving from one thing to the next until finally you realize that any beauty that you've seen in anyone else is just your own projection. Right. And the thing about it is, man, you can tell someone that. You can say, I'm telling you. Sure. There's nothing special about me that isn't special about you. Anything that you see in me that you think is incredible is actually the aspects of yourself that you aren't capable of loving yet. Right. So you put it on other things, and, and that's a sweet thing. But ultimately, you got to realize you're just making these screens appear in front of you mm-hmm. that you can project your love upon. Yeah. So I don't know, man. I, I, I think that it's there's different ways to teach people. Yeah, that. I guess, you know. No, I get it. I think the... I still feel that if you are the one who steal candies from a kid... Yeah, you're teaching them a lesson about life, about how oh, you shouldn't be so stupidly yeah. trusting. You shouldn't, you know, this is not the way the world works. You're still an asshole who's still a candy still from an a asshole. kid. You know, it's like, so again, and the kid who's, uh, and again, in this case, we're not talking about kids. We're talking about adults who should be responsible for their own action. But yeah, you do feel like, yeah, you're, if that's your expectations about the world, you haven't clearly been paying I, attention I just... and you are, you know, you screwed up. You are setting yeah. yourself up. At the same time, so I think actually, to be honest, yeah, it is a, both are culpable, but of course, one is culpable out of naivete and stupidity. The other one is culpable out of calculation and predatory I don't think intent. it's, see, that's the no? difference. You don't think so? I think it's identical to the dominatrix, uh, dom- submissive relationship. Yeah. So like to think that a guy who goes to get whipped by a dominatrix is naive. I see, I they, see. No. They knew it. They signed up. And and I think that there's a little piece inside every human that is aware, clear as a bell, what is what's going, going on, on man. And, and and they just decide to keep doing it. I like, it's a choice, then. It's, it's a not choice. a compulsion. And also, look, I don't mean to say they're pathetic or they're assholes. I think it's actually 
I, this is why I love what Ramdas says about this stuff is mm-hmm. is that whatever teaching you're getting is exactly what you need to be getting mm-hmm. right then. That's where you need to be. Right. The place you're at is just where you need to be. If you're in the basement of some fucking building in goddamn uh, Connecticut where you've been sucked into some crazy cult and they've put you in the punishment room for a little <laughs> while, as insane as it sounds... You need to be there because mm-hmm. really people who have gotten out of cults that I've met, they're some of the coolest people ever. And you could see that, that they grew right. from that experience. We don't want to think like that. Sure. We want to play the game of the victim and the manipulator. Sure. But really, it's just you've let yourself, you, like you, Danielle, mm-hmm. you have this orbit of sweetness around you at all mm-hmm. times. And that's just where you need to be. Some people, they have an orbit of suffering around them. And that's what they, I think, what they need to have around them so that they can learn to adjust. To navigate through that. Yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm not necessarily saying that's not the case, but it's one of those that I struggle with. Struggle in the sense of, I don't know. You know, I can look at it that way and see it and feel like, yeah, that's exactly right. And then I can look at it. I don't mean to exaggerate my yin yangness, but I yeah. see it from both angles at the same time. I do feel it as, a, oh, it's a victim manipulator game. And at the same time, I see it also. It's almost like I have to choose which way I want to look at it because they both make sense to me to some degree. So many people get into this situation. God, it's, I guess it's a very unpopular thing to say, but... There are a lot of people who really like being a victim. Sure. And there's a lot of people who really like being spiritually advanced. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Oh, totally. They love it. Yep. They like holding up the book, wearing the jewelry, yep. doing the thing, putting off the thing, whatever it may be. So many people. Of you course. see it, you know? Of course. They're doing this hilarious dance. They've put on the right clothes. You go to a music festival, you see people who are put on the right uh-huh. clothes. And or, or like you see people who like they've worked hard, man. They've exercised. They've got abdominal muscles. They're gonna take their shirt off. Of they're course. gonna hold glow sticks, and they're gonna dance because it gives <laughs> right. them power, right? Of course. In the same way, it seems like there's people who really enjoy the game of of being a spiritual yep. person, and to call them victims because as part of the game, right. they've fabricated. A system where there's some advanced entity mm-hmm. that they worship, even though that advanced entity is like clearly just another dude. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. They're yeah, yeah. all playing this hilarious. It's part game. of the same game. The confusing problem is this. Sometimes there's actual advance in right, <laughs> and that co- complicates it a little bit, right? That's where it gets weird. But I think that's the beauty of now, the fact that now, and I think we see it through podcasting, the fact that people tend to flock more to a medium where there's no way you can hide who you are too long because, yes. you know, in unscripted format, shit is going to come up all the time. Oh, for sure. Whereas more than the perfectly scripted thing that everybody knows is fake and you have the, I don't know, I feel like, I mean, I notice it on myself too. There's part of me where I'm kind of going by the old model and parts of me where instead I'm like, why am I still playing that stupid game? Yes. This is so much more, shit, when I was writing um, Not Afraid, the one, the book that's the more, autobiographical of mine where i'm talking about my own life 
there were moments where there was stuff that I wanted to talk about and I would catch myself going, do I really want to say that? How I feel yeah. okay about it, but how other people are going to respond. And in fact, it was funny because I went through, I would ask people around me and the unanimous consensus was do not write that, right? Yes. And of course, the second they would say that, I would feel 10 times more validated and say, I'm happy that I'm validated. That would be the smart thing to do. Yeah. But by the same token, that's precisely why I want to write it. Yes. And so I, sometimes I realize stuff that I've written that I was like, shit, do I really want to go there? Like there's a chapter where at one point I talk about a key super sweet moment for me was visiting a hawker. It's yes. like, is that really what I want to put out there? It's like, oh, that's the book that, you know, your kids are going to read down there. It's like, yeah, what the fuck? That's mean. All of the... F- I can explain why and how, but I'm not apologizing for who I am. People I want to be, that. and that's however that becomes their problem. I feel like it's liberating to be able to just say, "Hey, this is where I'm at. This is me. Yes. I can gladly explain to you the logic for why I do the things I do, but I'm not gonna try to tailor my image in a way that I think you will like because it's bullshit. Because it's bullshit to everybody. It's bullshit to myself first and foremost." is bullshit because I'm not respecting your intelligence in the sense of I think I need to just put on a show for you 24-7. Why are we playing this game? Let's be real. Let's talk about the stuff that that actually, that is controversial, that is troubling, that is why I'm sometimes not even clear myself why I'm doing something. Let's go there. It's more interesting. Way more interesting. Yeah. And and I think really if they're like the culpability in a Mm -hmm. person who portrays themselves as some kind of perfect being is that they're blocking the sun Mm -hmm. ultimately which is that they are letting people believe that they're the sun you know who is it sophocles you know that story about who is it sophocles the famous beggar style greek philosopher diogenes diogenes can you tell that story i've told it on this podcast with alexander the great right yeah we tell that story yeah alexander the great was a great admirer of this uh what was known as the scenic philosopher scenic not in the sense of cynicism the way we mean today it was a school of philosophy but in any case this dude was very much on a give away all material possession live in the streets own nothing you know he, he saw it as being trapped by things was the root of all suffering so he was living essentially pretty much as an homeless guy. And Alexander the Great had heard so much about this guy and many of the stories, and he was really intrigued with him. He was like, this guy has something, he's powerful. And it's funny, because you're Alexander the Great, you're the guy who's doing the opposite path. He's like, you want to conquer the world and own 20,000 palaces. It's not... So the story goes that he went up to Diogenes once and said, look, I really, I heard a lot about you, I respect what you do, uh, so just ask me for anything. I'll do... Um, I have everything I want at my disposal. I can grant you a wish, basically. I'm playing genie and I can do whatever you want for you. And Diogenes was laying there, sunbathing, just say, would you mind stepping out of my sun? Because, you know, you're blocking, you're making shade right now. And it's like, that's beautiful right there, right? There's that, uh, like, there's nothing that you have on me. You know, I'm just perfectly content in my skin right here, right now. And there's no promise of anything that would take me away from right here and right now. Yeah. But isn't there also, isn't it on that level, that's Mm -hmm. that. But then on another level, it's the classic enlightened beings. um, It's the classic enlightened beings smackdown of power. Sure. Which is he's saying, 
you ain't the sun, bitch. Yep. 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 You think yep. you're the sun? Exactly. You're not the fucking sun. Yep. I have everything I need from the light. Yep. And this I love. Yep. And so I think that what happens is people put on costumes and they trick dum-dums into thinking it's a difference between someone dressing like a bonfire mm-hmm. and sitting in front of a bonfire. The, so this is the, I guess if there is a disservice these people are doing, it's that they're fooling people into believing that the love of the universe can be localized mm-hmm. inside one human. Yep. And that is, a, I guess that is a sin, yep. isn't it? The, the, the thing anyone should be teaching anybody else is you don't need a boyfriend. You don't need a girlfriend. You don't need a, a boss. You don't need anything that's tricked you into thinking you need it. Right. Is an asshole. Right? Yep. Pretty much. And that's where, to me, I feel that catering to somebody's bullshit expectation is not a good game. It's not even a good game. Uh, it's not a good game for anybody involved. So that's where I feel that the guy... I understand your point of view earlier when you say their expectations, they may appear like they are not choosing it, but they actually are. Yes. Um, it still feels a little weird and dirty. And even just from your own point of view, from the point of view of you forget them, what you do to them is what you do to yourself by playing that game. Yes. By trying to embody the perfect saint. It's like... You're going to be con- it's forget the moral dimension it's horrendously annoying to be living the lie constantly when you don't remember which mask you're supposed to uh. put on because oh what did i say to this guy uh. how, how am i supposed to look to fuck this it's so fuck that there's an element where you feel like 50 pounds been taken off your shoulders when you don't have to remember what you say to whom so that you yeah. can keep all your lies straight and you can just be upfront yes you like it, you like it, you don't, you don't. I'm not trying to be an asshole. I'm not trying to be like, oh, you need to accept me for... But hey, let's be real. Let's let's deal with... I may try to work on myself. That's a great thing to constantly work on self-improvement. But at the same time, you know, let's be real on where we are. Yes. Where we are going, sure, we can discuss the goals. But yes. let's be real about the present state yeah. of where it's at. And again, I find that in my experience... The people I like, I'm sure there are people who would be like horrified and fuck this, you know, you are damn bad human being because you do this and this. But the people I actually care for tend to reward that degree of self-honesty. Yes. You know, where, I mean, shit, with my girlfriend, we are recording the audiobook of Not Afraid and she hadn't read it yet. And I'm getting to a, a hooker part and I'm like, that's not a topic we have discussed. Yeah. I was getting a little edgy there. I was yeah. like, oh shit, that's, I think, a conversation that I need to have now. Yeah. And, favorite chapter of the whole thing for her wow. and that was like and i think it was part of our where there's a degree of honesty there that that's how you know in. you that's... found somebody special man is right. when they when they hear about your past it's not something that they don't crucify you on your past they just recognize that wherever you're at right now if they like you yeah. it's because of what you went through exactly and to hate a person's past or to be upset about what a person did is to hate a person's present exactly and if they don't like you they're actually you're you still did the right thing because you saved yourself months or years of misery of trying to fit an image that they have that they want you to fit in that you'll never fit in wear the iron mask exactly that's what happens you get around people Mm -hmm. and they want to clamp you in Mm -hmm. to a you know the iron mask, yep. right? This was a torture device. Mm-hmm. You put this big, massive, heavy iron fucking thing on someone, 
throw away the key, and now they're they're they can't keep their head up because right. it's so fucking heavy. This is what happens, man. You get around the wrong group of people, and you and and you maybe you're a manipulator, and so in the beginning you're pretending to be this mm-hmm. thing, but that mask you're wearing. The longer you wear it, the heavier it gets, yep. and the more it seals around your head, and the more that the people are with you are painting on <laughs> thicker and thicker layers right. of metal onto that fucking thing, till the next thing you know, you're just a hunchback yep. in hell, because underneath that mask is who you really are. <laughs> oh, Jesus and Christ. The, and in many cases, you put it on yourself. Because yes. you wanted something from them. Every and so case. it's like, if I put it on, they are going to believe this and this. And so it's completely self-inflicted and becomes this stupid game where you do it because they expect it. They expect you, so you keep doing it and you never get out. Go ahead and put that. I think, I think it's more like, you, you don't necessarily put it on, but when they're like, hey, do you mind if I put this expectation right. on you? Uh, can you act like this is who you are? Would you do that? It's actually similar to when you get a prostitute right. and you want them to play a certain way or something like that <laughs> right it's like that okay can you, this is what i get it's off it's a role on. uh role you play. take this role on please yeah. and you do it for fun and then the next thing you know the next day they're like let's do that role again right the next thing you know five years have passed and underneath this role that you've been playing is this rotting infected yeah. thing that that is dying because of your own weakness so you got to pull those fucking masks off at all costs big time and it's so hard when you want something from people and you know they are going to be rewarded if you show a certain face. Yes. And so it's so, it's like, ah, I'm not lying, but in this scenario, I have to, you know, I need, and you know, you start doing it with dating and you start doing it for jobs, jobs. and you start doing it in every other interaction, Art. you're lying. You're basically presenting a face that's not who you are. Now, granted, I understand you don't want to be. There is the contest where maybe telling your boss at work how you spent your weekend with mushrooms and trip. Maybe that's that's a degree of honesty sure. that you don't need to volunteer that information. But at the same time, to be constantly like be constantly lying, to be constantly in this state is clearly not healthy. So, I mean, if you need to do it for the time being, because that's what's paying the rent and you haven't figured out plan B, okay, figure out plan B, because that's clearly not healthy to, for you to stay in that environment yeah. too long, you know? So do it as long as you need to with a clear expiration date of that's a prison and yeah, acknowledge sure. where you are and try to figure out a way to get out because yeah. it sucks. And people do it, I mean, in dating, it's the same thing, right? People always put on a face because you want to, I mean, hell, there's this awesome woman in front of you. You want to look, you want them to love you, you want them to like you, you want them to jump in bed with you. So you put on this certain face, and then six months later, people are all pissed off because it's like, you don't fit that. It's like, well, that's no, you know, it it was a game that you're both playing, you know? Or what's worse, it's like... You know those spy movies where the lasers are all over the ground? The you have oh, yeah, to spray yeah. with aerosol sprays to see them, and then yeah. you step over the lasers. Mm-hmm. And like, if you end up in a dumb relationship, what ends up happening is you both start shooting out these laser beams that you're not supposed to cross. Yep. And anytime you cross them, this alarm goes off, and, it, and, and that's the pattern of your relationship is stay inside the beams, everything's fine. Move outside the beams, I'm going to lose my fucking shit, everything's going to go crazy until you just act the way I want you to act. Yep. Oh, God. Jesus fucking Christ, it can be so... So treacherous for a human being to wander this planet if you're not careful. That's why I'm a firm believer that 
hookers are, uh, how they put it, goddesses of mercy. <laughs> tantricas. Yes. I think is the politically correct term now for a prostitute is a tantrica. I like that. Yeah. Because it's, the reality is, you know, if you need sex and the reality is you can play a game where I really like you, where you really maybe don't dig that person that much is because you want to get laid. Yes. Or you can get laid in a very honest, you know, here is, the ma- here is where the interaction begins and then we can be totally nice to each other. Yes. But still, let's be real about what we're here for. And if you actually do decide to jump into a relationship because you really are fucking crazy about this person, not because you need to have a relationship because yes. that's the only way I'm going to get laid. Yeah. That's a completely, like, there was a moment there where for me I decided I never want a relationship again because I have to put so much, there are too many compromises, there's too much of this, there's too, I don't want to do it. And not in an asshole kind of way, but I, like the other person deserves something and i'm not willing to do it unless they like me 110 percent as i am with the fact that i'm improving i'm working in a direction yes. to cheap my annoying parts but still this is where i'm at i don't want to do it and so you know there are lovely escorts who need my money and i can be perfectly happy that way and yes. they and then Oddly enough, it was exactly in that circumstance that it was easier to find a relationship where I was perfectly happy with complete you acceptance. Have, you're, you don't have that, like, the buildup of your, you're not, you're all that energy gets trapped in yep. the second chakra. And the next thing you know, you're all fucking paranoid yep. and crazy and frothing at the mouth and <laughs> acting weird wherever you go. Yeah, so it kind of is a valve or something that releases that energy. Yeah, because you don't come from a place of need. And when you don't come from a place of need, you can actually see things for what they are rather than for what you want them to be. Right. When you come from a place of need, you're projecting your own desires on reality. And that's when, like, I usually have a pretty good sense on people. Like, I can be around somebody and get a fairly decent read from them quickly. But that goes straight out the window if I want something from them. You know, if, I, if there's something they have that I want... Now right. my read goes to shit because suddenly I'm not seeing things for what they are. I'm just seeing, like, my own emotions are playing a game where I don't get to see reality in front of me. I'm projecting too much crap. Being a human is, I, I've said this, being a human is so fucking embarrassing, Daniele, <laughs> that we even have to deal with any of this at all. Right. On one level, it's just so embarrassing. Like, we've got all these ridiculous valves that, right. that we have to, you know, like this is in the, uh, the Shining in the book. Mm-hmm. One of his, it's like one of the great metaphors, uh, in the book, the the uh, Jack Torrance, who's mm-hmm. the character in The Shining in the book, and a little bit in the movie, but Stephen King focuses on the boiler of the hotel yep. more than uh, it's focused on in the movie. But one of his jobs is he's got to let the steam out of the boiler yep. or it's going to explode. So he's always having to tend to this thing that's always building up with oh, energy. Yeah. He's got to let that steam out a little bit. And to be a human being is to always have to tend to this energy boiler inside of you. Like your friend said, the energy gets twisted inside of you. Mm-hmm. And this energy grows and grows and grows. And it starts spurting out in all these weird yep. and ridiculous ways. And the second chakra in particular, this, when that shit gets stuck there, it is embarrassing. Yep. I mean, at least if stuff gets stuck in the other chakras, the manifestation of it is going to be is not going to involve lubricant. <laughs> <laughs> You're not as somebody we know stuck in a shower with a flashlight. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> right. And all the paranoia and all the fear. And this is the, 
you know, this is the problem because you, the, the reality of it is that sometimes you realize mm-hmm. there's sunlight everywhere. Mm-hmm. We don't need another person to generate the thing that we used to think we needed another mm-hmm. person for. Right. And when you start realizing that, uh, your life is going to change mm-hmm. pretty dramatically, pretty quickly. And if you have a person or people or job or whatever, which is depending on you believing that they're the sun, and you suddenly realize you ain't that's the not, sun, yeah, exactly. it's everywhere. Yep. That's when that's when stuff can get pretty weird, right? Oh, yeah. And it's and again, that's to me is the liberating moment where you realize what you are working for, what you thought you had to rotate around this thing forever, and you oh, realize yeah. why am I playing this stupid? Why am I going in circles around this? That's not really. Yes, there was no point, and so then you realize it's like, oh, I'm free then. I don't play this orbit over and over and over again. And that's the difference that's... between the great guru and the shit guru, mm-hmm. because the great guru, the great teacher, the great lover, the great friend, the moment you're like, oh my god. Oh shit! I don't need you, yeah. and the, you're, I'm not dependent on you. Like, They're like, you did it. Of you're course. free. You're yep. right. Now we can really have fun yep. because now you're not orbiting me, and I'm not orbiting you. We're exploring this dimension as mutual friends yep. instead of you playing this awful game <laughs> of me energizing the right. fields of your life. Now you're free. Yep. The other side of it is, what are you talking about? Oh yeah. Blasphemy! Apostate! No, I am the only way. I of am course. the gate. I am the ladder. I am the steps. The way and the light. I am yes. the way and the I am the truth, the way and the light. Yep. There is no other way to my father in heaven but through me. That's one of that's one of the you know, usually people when when people talk about the Bible, they're like, oh, there's all this nasty shit in the Old Testament, but, you know, in the New Testament, there's all the cool stuff. Yeah. And there's a, it's, there are a lot of very cool things in the Jesus story. No argument. Many sure. cool things. That quote right there is one that always freaked the hell out of me because it's the most fundamentalist, one way, there's yes. only one right way, me, me, me. It's like, whoa. Well, it depends something. on your what you think Jesus is. Right. You know, because if you think that he was talking about his physical, self, embodied right. self then yeah, that's a totalitarian bullshit thing. But I don't know that that's what he was talking about. I'm open to the fact that I've thought about that, that it's entirely possible that there's a different layer of meaning to it. But let's put it that way. It's an unfortunate way of putting it because it's very easy to misunderstand. You know... Well, it sounds... It seems like it's like one of his... Some... If I'm... Okay, let's just... As a form of thought experiment, I get it from the skeptical perspective. Uh No, Jesus Christ, blah, blah, blah. It's all just a myth. But just for fun, let's imagine. I don't know why it happened, but a human being turned into love. Uh He's just love. That's all he is. Every atom of this person's being is just love. He's so filled with love that anything he touches is healed. Right. He's not even trying to do it because that's one of the primary qualities of true love is it heals whatever it comes in contact with. Whoops, I healed you. I don't know why. I'm just made right. of love. That's in the same way that if I was made of acid, I'd burn you if I touched you. Yeah. So let's imagine there's a being like that. I'm love. And then that being says, there's really no other way to get to the Father, to realization, to connection with the divine, but through me. What he's saying is there's no way to get there except through love. 
It's the only way. That would have helped expressing it that way. Yeah. That yeah. would have been slightly clearer where yeah. there's not that layer of talking about me person, me. human being My here versus right. He exactly. couldn't have meant that because he because you know he keeps talking about he's going to get crucified, right. he's going to die. Right, right, so, right. So, and if the, if Jesus isn't a walking symbol for love, then I don't know what is the being. Was I guess love. to me is if you are that cool you can probably figure out communication-wise that that's one of the statements that can so easily be misconstrued by the next 72,000 generation of yeah. idiots who come after who got it wrong, yeah. that maybe you can think two steps ahead and express it in a slightly different way. Right, if you you're if, well, that's if you actually are a godly right. walking the planet. I think it's more than likely he was just a supremely right. open being. That is, or, or another way to put it is whatever... Whatever Jesus was before his ego died mm-hmm. uh, doesn't matter. But the moment his ego died, he became a kind of water fountain for this energy. Right. That was because it's just like there's no like. I get it, though. Look, I don't know, man. I that, That's what I love about the having a, an ability of discernment. Mm-hmm. It's because you don't have to fuck it. Throw the verse out. Make right. your own Bible. Yeah, who did yeah. that? Ben, who was it that, that took uh, all Thomas the Jefferson. Thomas Jefferson <laughs> took all the miracles out. He's like, yeah, there's some cool stuff in here. Let me edit it out. Okay, let's no, go. No, no, no. Nobody walked on water. Nobody rose from the dead. None funny. of this shit. Let's take it all out. Who gives a fuck? And, and I think that that is really such a wonderful thing to do mm-hmm. and such a thing a smart person would do because a smart per- person has got to recognize that miracles do not work to change a life. It's not the miracle that changed, changes. I'm like, you could, if, okay, if there's an asshole in the room and I, uh, I don't know why I keep talking about walking through walls, but just as a form of miracle, mm-hmm. I can walk through walls. Yeah. And I look at the asshole and I say, check this out. I figured out that if I completely connect with the energy of the universe mm-hmm. and embody it, something happens to my particles that allows me to, to, to move through higher density forms of, or lower density forms of matter. Mm-hmm. And you do this in front of an asshole, he might be like, holy shit, people can walk through walls. But it's not going to be too long before he tries to figure out how to do that so we can go into people's houses and steal their shit. Of course. It's not going right. to do anything. Yeah. That's not what changes people. Right. It's the, it, that's the whole theory, in fact, where they have you meditate, do this, do that. But the whole idea is like, yeah, when you start achieving these seemingly superpowers, don't worry, that's a distraction. They, they are going to go away. If yeah. you don't focus on it, don't, because yeah. that's not the goal. That's a distraction that takes you away from the real goal. Yeah. Which is true. Which it, is true. Which is true, because the... The, the real miracle is finding the, the true mm-hmm. sun. Yeah. The real miracle is, fi- is that moment in your life when you recognize that your circumstances are not responsible for your happiness. Mm-hmm. That's the ultimate. I'll take that over walking through walls right. any day of the fucking week. Yep. I don't want to walk through a goddamn wall while I'm thinking about my bank account and taxes. <laughs> right. And you're still like... the same miserable asshole you always wear, but yeah, now yeah, you yeah. can walk through walls. Well, yeah. I mean, that's better than being the miserable yeah. asshole you wear, but not by much. Not by much. Yeah. Give me walls that I can't walk through and an open, loving heart. Yeah, that works better. That works I way think better. we can sign up for that definitely mr bellelli where can people find you my friend uh 
so my home address is no not that the so d bolelli first initial of my name so the letter d and then last name b-o-l-e-l-l-i on twitter and then i mean by now the gods of google allow you to yes. as long as you get somebody's name you find everything you want about yeah. them so there's uh yeah history on fire books uh drunken taoist so there's a million different things that i'm busy trying to set up and it's fun and i'm having a blast and if you guys have any interest in any of them that's it all the links are going to be at duncantrussell.com a pleasure as always my friend thank, thank you, you for thank this. you thank you thanks for listening everybody that was daniele bolelli i'm going to have all the links you need to find him at duncantrussell.com much thanks to squarespace for sponsoring this episode please go to squarespace.com and give them a shot use offer code duncan you'll get 10 percent off your first order go through our amazon portal if you're so inclined give us a nice rating on itunes if you're so inclined but you don't even have to do any of that just wrench your bloodshot fanatical eyes from the demon false idol of fear that you've been worshiping in your mind and turn your gaze to the light to the insane lunatic idea that you exist in a universe composed of love and you're going to be fine if you do that it's better than any other thing you could do to support this podcast but go through our portal after you do that if you feel like it regardless i love you i hope you have a fantastic week and we'll see you very soon with a new episode with the genius Tim Heidecker. That's coming up. I'll see you guys around. Hare Krishna.